Let's get sweaty. Hey guys, welcome to another Shenmue Dojo interview. Uh, today I have a guest from the Shenmue music scene. He's maybe flown under the radar a tiny little bit, um, alongside with the greats of obviously Richard Cartledge, the Kitchen Brothers and Rio X. Uh, my guest brings a sort of 80s hair metal slash Manic Street Peaches feel towards the Shenmue music and community. Obviously he's done his own uh, EP album, which we'll be talking about in a moment. Uh, also, alongside that, away from sort of Shenmue and all the music, he has his own band and does his own sort of solo stuff on the side as well. My guest today is Andy Hughes. So, Andy, welcome to the dojo, my friend. How's it going? Hi, Matt. Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's hammering down with rain outside, which I never thought I'd be glad to see. So we haven't seen it in about two weeks. <laughs> no, I know. It's mad, isn't it? It's, but I'm glad it's here. So I'm going to dive straight in, if that's okay. Right, first question, before we start talking about the music, obviously you're a Shenmue fan and a gamer. So can you run me through sort of your gaming history briefly and then how you came across Shenmue to begin with? Yeah, sure. So I think it was around my eighth birthday. Um got to say a dreamcast as a present it might have been a christmas present actually but my birthday falls in january so yeah it's sort of around that time and um i remember playing jet set radio initially really fall in love with that always been a big sonic fan loved the 3d sonic games the adventure one and two um and then as a friend of the family jez lewis uh, he's like you've got to check out this new open world game it's something else you know it's completely you know it's captivating it's amazing uh, and then that is shenamu so uh yeah yeah i was hooked by the first play really um I was never experienced anything like it. So I'm literally virtually sort of living this guy's life. You know, Rio Hazuki is amazing. Really. I fell in love with it pretty quickly. I just found it mesmerizing, really. So what about it drew you in? Um, well, I mean, the initial sort of cutscene, um, where obviously when Landy and his henchman come to the dojo, um, I thought, oh, it's a bit like a movie kind of thing, you know, and it's really intense. It's a big storyline. But um, what really sort of blew my mind is um, when you can just sort of free roam, you can, all the free sort of stuff, you can, walk about, talk to NPCs and all that stuff. Um, even buying drinks from the vending machine. I was like, wow, yeah. this is amazing. You know, I never played a game like it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I just found it really captivating. And then um, I remember I had stuff to do, chores and that. My mum was like, come on, Andy, you know, you, you need to uh, do this now, whatever it was. And I'm like, no, I've got to get Rio to bed first because back <laughs> then you could only save it when you take it back to his bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just the whole storyline as well, especially the soundtrack as well, being a musician as well. Just, yeah, really, really good stuff. Really great attention to detail and that. Do you have a favourite out of the, f- the original games out of Shenmue 1 and 2? Well, initially, um, I mean, Shenmue 2, that used to be my favourite, but I usually go back to um, the first instalment, really. Um, it just... I like that vibe where he's at home and stuff. I mean, it's a lot more detailed, obviously, in Shenmue 2. It's a bigger game. There's a lot yeah. more to do. You've got the Flash QTE sequences and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think definitely in my heart, the first game is my favourite. And then the the 15-year wait for Shenmue 3. Um, do you remember where you were um, when it got announced at E3 2015? Yeah, I remember people were sort of saying rumours about it, E3. They're like, is it going to happen or whatever? I was like pretty cynical at the time. I wasn't too optimistic about it. I remember waking up 
that I think I had quite an early night, so I didn't really hear the news. And I woke up that morning and my friend Stephen Blowers, I think it was, he messaged me and he was like, you'll never believe it. You'll never believe it. I'm like, where is it? They're, like, They're making Shenmue 3. I was like, what? I thought he was winding me up because people used to <laughs> joke about it before. <laughs> I yeah, think I went yeah. onto the Shenmue Dojo site and looked all over social media. I was like, bloody hell, there's a video of Yuzuki coming on stage and announcing it. You know, the fate of Shenmue's in your hands now and all this, the kickstart. I was like, wow, that's amazing. You know? And did you, back, did you back it straight away? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. I didn't have much money at the time being a musician. <laughs> no, fair. I tried to do it, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was really good news, that. Um, Richard uh, Cartledge, he actually come around my house when he got a copy, and because uh, we're good friends. Um, I think you interviewed him a while ago. Yeah, I did add him on. Yeah, he, he come over and we... Uh, had a Shemu free session, which was uh, fun. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, Richard's Richard's sound bloke. Um, what did you think of Shemu three? Uh, I, I know it's got its criticisms, but what did you think of it? I really liked some of it. I mean, it has its flaws. Um, I think a lot of people complained about this sort of con with it about like you have to keep feeding Rio as he loses health, so that can get a bit annoying, I suppose. But if you keep up to it, it's, it's almost like um, reminded me of something like. GTA or The Sims. I don't actually have GTA. Some games you you have to keep feeding the characters to keep their health up, sort of thing. But um, I mean, some of the story aspects are really cool. Um, aesthetically, like I think some of it is really beautiful when you go to Nauwu, like yeah, um, the opening cutscene there. It's really nice the visuals and everything. It's great to see obviously Ren again and stuff. Is that right? But it's like spoilers in there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you must have played them by now, surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're a Shenmue fan, but um. Yeah, I think one thing that niggled me a bit, there wasn't that much story development, which a lot of people have said. I mean, you see Landy in the castle and all that, um, which is cool. I, just, I feel like you don't learn much more. Uh, they don't really reflect that. They talk about the mirrors and stuff a little bit. Um, but, the, I mean, if we do get Shemmy 4, I'm sure they'd um, elaborate a lot more on that, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was great to just play it again, really, because I thought we'd never live to see the day, the way it got sort of English Shemmy 3. It's amazing. It actually become a reality you know yeah definitely and actually you mentioned Shenmue 4 sort of leads in naturally to my next question actually Shenmue 4 is in limbo we don't know where it is or where it isn't at the moment of course um what are your hopes for for a fourth game if it happens I mean it'd be amazing if they if they could produce it if they could make it um some people were saying they might just carry the story on with the anime um I mean I'd be happy to see the end of the saga like that but um, if we can get a game that'd be amazing I mean we still there's still people still posting a lot let's get Shenmue 4 let's see a lot of those posts about and um, it's good to keep pushing it definitely I think Yuzuki's obviously aware of it as well sort of thing I think I don't know if it's like maybe a budget issue or but I mean it'd be great news if they can develop it definitely yeah and why is Neta working I mean they released Air Twister not too long ago so they they clearly are doing something so we just have to see what that is um you mentioned the anime have you watched it all yeah I really liked it um, I liked how they elaborated on some of the story as well. Um, like Joy, you find out a lot more about her and her family, like, you know, the white tide family, I think it was called all this stuff and how the, you know, uh, the yellow heads sort of taken over and all this stuff. Um, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, it's quite theatrical and how you find out about these other sort of characters and their background. I thought that was really cool. And I liked the new soundtrack as well. I thought, um, it was very fitting yeah, as well. Well put together, well composed and that. Yeah. I really liked it. It was a good watch. Yeah, it was, and the soundtrack's excellent, actually. Have you got yourself a copy of it? I need to get it on a DVD, but um, I watched it on Crunchyroll. I signed up to that straight away when it was come out. Um, yeah, I've, I think I've rewatched it twice now, actually. Um, yeah, it's really good. I think it, some of it's like when they go to uh, 
when he goes to China, there's a few bits that are a little bit rushed. I'm being picky there. It's like when he's breaking into uh, uh, the ghost tour building to meet you on yeah. the zoo. They could have stretched that out a bit because there's a whole thing when he crosses the planks and when Ren's, uh, as he gets uh, the hitch and he gets the key to the elevator and stuff, and Rio mm. just gives him a death glare. It would have been cool if they sort of reworked that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, that's, I'm just being critical. But apart from that, it was great. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, you are right. There's some bits that were rushed. I get why. I think money, budget, episodes, and if, and there's a lot of Shenmue content in there. I mean, Shenmue 2 is huge. You you just summed it up. Like that one area of, of Ren and Rio and Rio doing the planks. They had, to, they had a tough, tough call, I think, in, in what to include, what not to include. Um, but I think overall they did a really good job with it. So putting you on the spot here, uh, future of the series um where do you think it'll go um i'm hoping it will happen it will transpire um i'm not sure when i was watching an episode the other night you uh you guys were talking about actually um and you were saying it might be in the next two or three years or something i, I kind of agree it depends really because um i suppose it depends on budgeting and stuff i think it's been quite successful though the anime i think it's attracted new fans as well um there's a few people I know that have checked out because they're already on Crunchyroll, but they didn't know about Shenmue. I was like, oh, you've got to check this out. You'll love it. And um, yeah, I've said I've attracted a few friends to it that didn't never heard of it before, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, hopefully they can carry on with it. The more the merrier in, in that case. And I, you know, it picks yeah. up fans great. And it was successful. I mean, it did quite well in, on, on, on Out of Swim. Um, I believe it's done well in Japan. Um, it's done everything it can as an anime. I think there's, there's, there's external factors there that might be an issue. But yeah, I think you'd be looking at two to three years as a minimum before we saw a season two. Um, but hopefully by that point, we'll have a Shenmue 4 announcement and we'll be like, all right, excellent. That tide is over nicely, ready for a season two. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm opt- optimistic about it, definitely. Um, hopefully it goes ahead, you know. After that question, um, we're going to move into your music now. Uh, the Samurai Boy Saga. But I'm going to play a track from it first. Um, I'm going to play The Day Snow Turned to Rain and then we're going to head into some of your musical history. <laughs>
Right, that was the day the snow turned to rain. Um, so, Andy, let's let's dive into the music uh, a little bit here. Obviously, you're a musician. You, you do your own solo projects. I've seen you in bands and bits and pieces as well. But take me back, all the way back to your musical history. When did you start playing music? When you start listening to music? And what sort of inspired what you play and what you listen to? Yeah, so I sort of grew up with a musical family, really. Uh, my dad's a musician as well. Uh, my uncle Vic as well. I was always sort of surrounded by guitars and vinyl records growing up and um i remember my sister was never that interested i mean she's a bit of a listener but uh i was always infatuated with that was like my main interest after a while um just seeing the records about i'd always be grabbing the guitar trying to have a go on it um it wasn't until i was about 10 years old i got my first guitar um mm-hmm. started learning that um didn't take it seriously till i was about 15 started learning the theory a bit more on the scales and uh, went to college and studied it more and learned every instruments um but yeah i was always sort of just really captivated into it sort of thing um going around my uncle Vic's, he'd play his black sabbath for led zeppelin vinyls deep purple that sort of 70s stuff and um i was listening to rap before that eminem and he's like oh you don't want to listen to that that crap he's <laughs> like check this out but I, I still like rap as well but it got me really interested um i was infatuated with guitars and stuff like that sort of that sort of genre you know prog rock and concept albums as well but like pink floyd that's what inspired the Sarah Boy Saga as well. But um, yeah, I mean, since um, I was about 15, I've just been sort of gigging with different bands and projects. Um, it's a bit of an obsession, really, but a way of life for me. You know, I, just, I love doing music. The They see the end product, don't they? They don't see the stuff that goes behind the scenes, all the, the hours of practicing, all the hours of recording, all the yeah, of, of writing, all that sort of stuff. So they just see the end product. So I, I can see exactly where you're coming from, that it is, is a way of life. Happily retired now, I must say, although my bass is still glaring at me from time to time. So, Shenmue Music, you, you touched on this already a little bit in the, obviously the soundtrack for the games is excellent, the soundtrack for the anime is excellent. When did you start sort of messing around with the idea or looking into the idea of merging Shenmue Music with your own sort of influences? Yeah, I mean, it was an ambition I had uh, for years, really. I remember when I was a teenager, I come up with this sort of idea, Shenmue the musical. I thought, oh, this is a bit cheesy, though. Like, <laughs> I, remember, you know, I think it lasted a couple of composition ideas and then I thought, nah, this is just terrible. But I'd like the idea of it, like, you know, Fuku-san gets to sing a bit, Ini-san gets a song and all that. And they all like, it's like a big theatre play kind of thing. I thought, oh, this is a bit cheesy, really. So that fell on deaf ears, went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> but I still had this ambition about doing a concept sort of album. I said, I love Pink Floyd, Rush, those sort of prog rock bands. And uh, I thought it'd be, it's a great storyline as well to write music about. I did a song called... Um, well, I mean, there is a Shemu track called Memories of Distant Days, but I wrote something called Memories of Distant Days when I was 16, and that's about Rio losing Iwao and how he's, like, grieving and he's on his, you know, he's on his quest for revenge, all this stuff. Um, so I, I sort of went on from that when I was about... When, when I did Sarah Saga, it was about 2017, I think I started working on it. Uh, Kubiwa might have been two, 2016. Yeah. But, yeah, I, mean, I just remember one night I'd, I felt I'd sort of like a brainstorm, and I was like, I really need to do this album. I started writing out the lyrics first, just... And it kind of wrote itself because I think I've completed Shenmue about 21 times, 22 times now. <laughs> so I remember quite a few of the scenes that, I mean, I watched stuff as well, the videos, just mm-hmm, to, of course. Sort of, um, you know, check the cutscenes again, see what happens. But um, yeah, I had a load of fun with it and I thought it'd just be a good idea to write a concept album about it. Um, yeah. And it, it received some good uh, reception at the time. People seemed to really like it. Corey Marshall uh, said some good words about it. Um, yeah, I, I think it was really 
fun project to do. So talk me a little bit through the the whole process itself from the initial idea to composition to experiment with different sounds, different rhythms, etc. Sort of talk me through all of that side of things. Yeah, so I suddenly it started with the lyrics. Um I remember just staying up late one night, really inspired, just writing a lot of lyrics. Um and then I did the music afterwards. I'd usually start on the guitar parts. I'd yeah. start with a riff and then sort of sing over it and find a melody that works of it sort of thing. And I was saying I, was, I wanted to go for that sort of progressive rock vibe. So I sort of experimented a lot more with a regular sort of time signatures. Because um, a lot of other stuff I wrote prior to that was more kind of 4-4 based and that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I used yeah, some different chord patterns. Um, I used a lot more keyboards as well because I wanted it to sound a bit oriental on some of the yeah, tracks. Yeah, so I used yeah. some sort of Japanese, Chinese sounding instruments. Yeah, um, obviously uh, did some... Uh, there's some drumming parts as well. It almost sounds a bit military, like there's a track, My Destiny. And um, that's when Rio's like decided he's he's got to go out there and find Landy kind of thing, you know, and he's he's on this quest. And I almost wanted this kind of marching sound with the drums there. So I sort of wanted to use that for dramatic effects. Um, but yeah, the keyboards was a big, big thing, really, because I didn't really play keyboards much on my other solo stuff. But uh, I thought it worked really well, sound the different oriental instruments and all that, you know, sort of fits the theme a bit better. So just because just making sure I'm getting this right in my own head, so excuse me on this one. So you, you played all the instruments yourself, recorded it all yourself, is that right? Yes. Um, and then my friend James Pepper um, did the mixing and mastering, but I'd sent him all the stems and everything, the isolated tracks, and then he, he uh, polished it already. And um, yeah. But apart from that, it was all, all made, uh, yeah, the instruments, vocals and that. Nice. I mean, fair play, because I, I know how hard it is to record an EP, let alone an album, let alone do it on your own. So you have my respect for doing that. How long do you reckon it took you in, in hours if you had to put a sort of a guess on it? I don't, I don't really do a rough estimate on it. I mean, I didn't have much of a social life at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it took about a few months, really, but I'm trying to think what it would have been in hours. But I remember the project took a few months, but I was literally in here every day in my home studio just working on it. Um, yeah, I, I was real passion, you know, as a proper project. So I remember working hard on it. Yeah, it was about three months, I think, it took to turn around. I, I don't know how it, approximately what it would be in hours, though. Um, yeah, it was quite a what quite a few years ago so <laughs> it's jogging my memory a bit <laughs> that's all right my memory's t- my memory's shocking now it's got worse with age i think as we've all got older my memory's gone gone but i mean three months that's that's a good turnaround actually recording all that yourself and, and putting it all together yourself and obviously getting it mastered by a friend now i'm interested now i'm being nosy because i used to play in bands i've, I've recorded and done stuff as well you got your own home studio. So what sort of role did that play in, in getting the project together like with the, with the equipment you've got and, and, and X, Y, and Z putting it together? How, did that really help you to knuckle into that project to give you that space to almost do it at your own pace, not under a huge amount of pressure and just really sort of dive into that, that um, album and, and really get in, like, sort of stuck into it and involved with it? Oh, absolutely. Definitely, Matt. Um, I mean, because I'd have to sort of race around the clock. There wasn't really a deadline. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when I announced the release date, I think I re- announced the release date after it was like when the mixed and mastering was being done. So and I was saying my friend James gave me a sort of a deadline for that. So it's fine. I mean, I could just sort of get out of bed and then go into the studio and like start tracking some guitars or whatever instrument I was doing at the time. But yeah, I, f- I found it um, less stressful that way because I've worked in other studios when you're sort of paying for it. And yeah, I was saying you're working around the clock and it's, you know, you're under pressure a bit, aren't you? Because um, yeah, you are. It's, you know, you've got a certain time frame to get it done. But um, yeah, I mean, it's quite relaxed. Yeah, I went for sort of a um, vintage production as well. Um, 
like you know, I did like the Led Zeppelin sort of micing technique on the drums, so just four microphones and that. Um, but yeah, I got a nice simple setup here. But I, I sort of wanted that vintage sort of seventies production, really. Um, yeah, I was quite happy with the way it come out. I'm saying James is a great sound engineer anyway, so he really polished it. Yeah, and I like I like the vintage sound. There's something to be said for over digitizing things and going going back to the old analog sounding stuff. I know it sounds warmer. That's the way I describe it. We did our first EP on um on analog actually back in back when we did it. And it was I don't know, just there's a warmth, there's a character to the analog sound, but that might just be me. I don't know what you think. Oh definitely one hundred percent, you know, um I've got a lot of plugins which sort of emulate uh, like the real to real tapes and you get that yeah. sort of warmness, that different frequency spectrum. I think it sounds a lot nicer. It sounds it's a bit harsh when it's just digital, you know, it's a bit lifeless, I think. I prefer, I prefer that analogue sound really. Yeah, I definitely do. I'd I'd advocate it for anybody who's gonna record something if you can get something like that. I don't know, it just maybe it's because we're I'm also an old fart these days at thirty five and and remember the days of when things were were like that. But yeah, I like the analogue sound, it's good. So You've touched, you've touched on this a tiny bit, actually, around the responses from the Shemu community. Did it take you by surprise, that the, sort of the responses that came from it? And how did it make you feel that now you've, you sort of put this album out there, which for any artist, any band musician, it is a, there's you know, a lot riding on something when you put something out there because you want people to like it. So how did it make you feel when the community reacted well to it? Really lifted my spirits, really, because I was a bit apprehensive initially. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know what some people think. Some Puritans as well. I mean, I'm a Shemu Puritan, but some of, some people might be like, if they looked at the lyrics, they might be like, oh, you've changed that scene a bit there. You know, that's not quite what happened. Like, for example, like a song, Am- Amulet of Acquiesce, um, mm-hmm. it kind of focuses on the potential romance of Rio and Nozomi. Yeah. But I kind of made it in that context. Like, if Rio really, it's like Rio's singing about and how they could have been together, but he was too strong from revenge and she's going to Canada. But um, it's kind of like, in Nozomi's words as well, like the chorus, there's a, uh, Lion stay with me for a while, which is obviously to quote what she says yeah. in that cutscene. But um, yeah, I mean, there's some bits I sort of elaborated on with with the reactions from the community as well. Did that like with Corey obviously coming back and saying he he really enjoyed it? I think did that inspire you to sort of look into making further Shemmy music? Is there is there any more on the cards? I've thought about it. People have asked me if I was going to write another album, like do a sequel and write music about Shemmy too. I, I'd like to. It'd be a bigger project though. Um, be hard to digest down i mean i did this i think it was 13 12 12 or 13 tracks on yeah. this album i think it'd have to be a double album if i did one for shenmue too there's so much you need to cover isn't there in the storyline and so i mean it's it's doable i'm quite busy with other projects at the minute um but it's something i might look into in the future and i certainly had a really good reception at the time um i haven't tried to get it over to uh Suzuki. i don't know if he listened to it <laughs> Probably. It would be cool to hear feedback from him and see what he thinks. I don't know if he likes rock music or not. Well, he does. He likes his 80s stuff. I mean, if you listen to the music in Air Twister, it's very much um, Queen. It's the band Valencia sounds very much like Queen. And I know he's a um, he's a Van Halen fan as well. So, Oh, really? I think he, That's yeah, cool. He's, yeah. yeah, he's into his 80s stuff. Um, quite likes it from what I've heard and, and seen and read in the press. So you've sort of touched on this a tiny bit anyway. Other projects... Um, what are you working on sort of away from the Shemu music? Yeah, so I'm in a prog rock band called Mobius. Um, we did our first gig at Cambridge Rock Festival uh, recently, which went down really well. We're like a seven piece. Um, oh, yeah. We, yeah, um, yeah, it's been going well. We released our first album, Make the Promise, um, last year. It sort of started out as a lockdown project. So we all got our own home studios. So we did it remotely. But then we got a record deal with an indie Welsh label called White Knight Records. Um, so, that, yeah, we're getting quite 
quite a bit of airplay in Germany now. And we've had some good reviews and stuff. Um, we're planning some more shows. I think we're doing our first gig in London on the 30th of October at the Fiddler's Elbow in Camden, London. So Bloody hell, cool. I know that place. I played there a long time ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell, yeah. Cool. That's a good place to play. Good fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm also in a band called Tribal Misfits. Uh, we do some original stuff, but we often go out now as sort of a covers band. Um, yeah. We make a few quid doing it as well. Yeah, we do a bit of classic rock, modern rock. We even throw a bit of funk in sometimes, you know. I mean, if Chili Peppers counts, stuff like that, we just cover that. Yeah, yeah Chili Peppers counts. Then, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we've been doing a lot of gigs this month. And I go out as a soloist as well, I do acoustic solo gigs. And uh, I do a bit of depth work as well. Um, if somebody needs a you know, drummer or guitarist, <laughs> or bass player, whatever, for a gig, sometimes I'll get a shout and uh, I'll step in if I'm free. And um, yeah, yeah, pretty much it, really. I'm interested, actually, around this lockdown project. You obviously it started out as a lockdown project. How difficult was that to, to coordinate all of you guys together to make that album? Um, well, I mean, it, um, it was a bit daunting at first because uh, Tim, our leader, Tim Newcomb, the band leader, he uh, he sent me the initial idea he had for a track, and it was about 20 mm-hmm. minutes long. And <laughs> he's <laughs> bloody out. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a quintessential prog rock or something. But yeah, he said it to me. I was like, God, how am I going to do this? And uh, I sort of broke it down in sections. So I treated it like I was recording separate songs. So I'd spend five minutes on a section and then yeah. have a break, sort of refresh, go for a walk, whatever, have a cup of tea, and then come back and then do a bit more. And um, yeah, it was all right because he sort of sent it as the guide vocal and stuff because he's, he's got me singing and playing guitar in it. So then he plays keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, other person, obviously, in the band. But um, he said, just sort of put your own interpretation on it, do your own spin. You know, you don't have to sing it exactly like I did on the recording. So we'd put our own flair of it. I'd write guitar riffs over it. And um, yeah, I mean, some of the songs were quite challenging, but um, some of them some of them were okay. Just sort of depended on the song at the time and also other, you know, how you felt at the time, whether there was a, if you got into the flow, it might have been easier, those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, I mean, it was strange because like a couple of the guys in the band I never met before either. So we're just talking sort of via social media and stuff like that through emails. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. We've sort of met up now and made it a reality. It's not just a virtual sort of project. And um, yeah, it's it's cool. We've got some gigs. Awesome. Right. This sort of comes into my final question. I do this to everybody. You've seen the show. You know what I'm going to ask you by now. Uh, Do you have a final message for the Shenmue community? Yeah, thank you to the community. Uh, let's get Shenmue 4. Thank you to Yuzuzuki. Thank you to everybody else, uh, everybody involved. Um, and yeah, the, the story goes on. Superb. On that message, Andy, thank you very much for taking the time out of your evening to join me today. It's um, been a pleasure to have you on. I know we've been talking for a little while, but I'm glad to have finally got you on the show. Um, I'm going to lead us out now with the title track from from your album, Samurai Boy. But before I do that, guys, just as a thank you to everybody who, who takes the time to listen to the show, listen to the content, etc. It, and the feedback's always welcome from everybody. But guys, thank you. Take care. This is Samurai Boy, and I'll be back with another interview or podcast with James in the not-too-distant future. Take care, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> Landy Samurai, the Phoenix Mirror.
mad angels. Those guys are at the back of warehouse number 17. Number 17? Yeah, at the back of the warehouse. You lying?